0: The reading this morning is from Gospel of Matthew um, 24, verses 3 to 35. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen and the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, The love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see, standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. In those days, if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the desert, do not go out. Or, here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of these days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with great power and glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree, As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to
1: God. We pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus promises that when we meet together, he will be with us. And we thank you that you promise to speak to us as we read your word. Would you do that this morning as we look at this section of Matthew Uh, Help us uh, to understand it and be changing us by it. Make us more into the likeness of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. What does the future hold? Are things going to get better or worse? When's the world going to end? Questions like these have fascinated humans, I think pretty much forever. Uh, You've got utopian fiction, dystopian fiction, uh, disaster movies. Uh, You might remember all that fuss over a May in the calendar ending in 2012. Um, Or maybe uh, you're more worried uh, about just the next few days or weeks or months. What does the future hold? Well, it turns out that the disciples had similar questions. Last week, uh, we saw Jesus um, calling out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Uh, and then he and the disciples headed out of the temple. And the disciples pointed out to him just how amazing this building looked. And Jesus then prophesied about the destruction of that temple. This is verse 1 and 2 of chapter 24. Jesus left the temple and was walking away from uh, when his disciples came up to him to call attention to the buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. It's quite a bold prediction. Uh, Herod the Great had only just finished massively expanding it. Uh, it had been one of the, the biggest construction projects of the previous century. It was certainly the biggest Uh, and most solid building in Judea. So naturally, the disciples want to know more. Uh, Verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So this morning, we're going to look at some of Jesus' answer to that question. Uh, But before we uh, get into the details uh, I want us to think about how we should read this chapter. See, some people get very excited when you come to texts like this, uh, where by anything that uh, seems like you might be able to use it to work out when Jesus is going to return. You know, they see Hitler as the Antichrist, uh, this earthquake or that uh, eclipse or whatever it is as, as this or that sign. Um, but that's that's not Jesus' intention, as we'll see. So there's a couple of things uh, we need to remember as we read this chapter, and in fact any kind of text like this in the Bible. Uh, the first, is that there are multiple horizons. There's a subtle assumption in uh, the disciples' question. They ask, "When will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming, and of the end of the age?" Notice that they actually are asking about three things. When will this happen? In other words, when is the temple that they've just been talking about, when when is that going to be destroyed? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? Now, the way the disciples ask the question, they think that these are all one and the same. They're all the same event. They're all the same time. Uh, But Jesus will address all three of these, uh, but he has a different view of how things are going to play out. It's a bit like this. Uh, If you've ever been walking in the mountains uh, and you've been going up for a while, you're puffing a bit, uh, and you look up to where you're going, there's the top. Just a little bit more and we'll make it. Uh, And you keep going uh, and you reach that, and then suddenly you realize there's more mountain ahead. And uh, you're not at the top at all. So the disciples are, are down at the bottom. Uh, they can only see one peak ahead of them. And they think that all these things are going to happen at the same time. But we're, we're past that first peak. Uh, we'll see later that that is the destruction of the temple uh, in 70 AD. We're past that. And so we know that there's more to come. We can see the two peaks. Jesus, of course, he has a bird's-eye view, and can see everything. To see that in in action somewhere else, think about uh, the Old Testament prophets like Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied about the Messiah coming, about the day of the Lord, and about everything being made new. He saw all of that as one event. But of course, we live after uh, Jesus' first coming, and so we know that, in fact, those are two separate things, There's a gap between the two. Of course, the tricky bit in this passage is working out uh, which event comes when, uh, which horizon is which, Uh, particularly as it's not always quite so clear-cut as one or the other. Uh, Sometimes there's a a pattern of events that keep going. Uh, Sometimes there's a sort of uh, a shadow and fulfillment structure. But we need to remember, as we read chapter 24, that there are multiple horizons. Not all these things are happening uh, in the, at the same time or in the same order. Second, we need to remember that these are signs and not a checklist. Signs and not a checklist. If we jump down to the end of the section that we read, uh, Jesus actually uh, gives us a hint as to how to interpret what he's just said. Have a look down at verse 32, if you've got it there. Jesus said, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know it is near right at the door. After a a long COVID winter, I think the leaves appearing on the trees were particularly welcome this year. I don't know how you felt. Uh, But what we didn't do when we saw them uh, was look at that first leaf and say, okay, now I know summer is going to arrive in exactly 92 days and five hours, and that's when we'll be able to have our first barbecue. Now, the leaves just showed that it was now spring and that summer was on its way. Uh, You could start getting ready for what's coming, but you didn't know exactly when it was going to arrive. The events that Jesus talks about uh, aren't here to be ticked off a list or to have dates calculated for them. And they're signs that point to the season that we're in. They're there to help us to be prepared and to help us understand what's happening. So bearing those two things in mind, uh, how to read this chapter with multiple horizons, uh, and as signs, not a checklist. Let's look at what Jesus says uh, as three parts on a timeline. So we'll fill this timeline in. Uh, the first part uh, is the current age, uh, or as it's known uh, elsewhere, the last days. That's The, the time between uh, when Jesus uh, first came, his death and resurrection, uh, and his second coming. This is where Jesus starts his response, Uh, not talking about a specific time, but what we all experience, all Christians experience uh, between the first and second comings. So verse 4, Jesus answered the disciples, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus is preparing his disciples for what's to come. They're thinking short term. Soon the temple's going to be destroyed, Jesus is going to come, and everything will be made right. There's not too much to worry about. But it's not that simple, Jesus says. There's going to be a lot that happens before the end. Remember, it's not a checklist. There's no dates or times associated with the events mentioned here. This is a pattern. It's a pattern of this current age. There will be natural disasters, human disasters, and these things will keep happening on and on how does this help us? Well, Jesus is clear. Don't be deceived. Don't be alarmed. People are are constantly predicting that the world is about to end. In the last two years, we've had everything that Jesus mentions here, uh, war, famine, earthquakes, persecution, and a global pandemic to boot. I'm not saying the end isn't near, but people also have short memories, don't they? Last century had uh, two world wars, uh, a cold war, pandemics, famines, more, uh, and it wasn't much better before that. This is normal life in a fallen world. It's normal life in a world that knows it's coming to an end. It's the beginning of birth pains, Jesus calls it. There is a new, rather better world than this coming, and this one isn't going to go quietly. So maybe you uh, read the news or watch the TV, uh, and you feel rather overwhelmed by all the uh, things that you read and see. I wouldn't blame you. You look to to the future and see climate change, overpopulation, increasing international tensions. Uh, Maybe you think that the world is going downhill, and maybe it is. Don't be alarmed. All this doesn't mean that God isn't in control. It doesn't mean that his plan has been derailed. Jesus says, this is what life is like in the current age, uh, before the end. Don't be alarmed and don't be deceived. Don't let other people persuade you that God isn't in control. Don't listen to people who uh, claim to be in control and who uh, who claim to be able to sort it all out. People might come saying, uh, I am the Christ. They're probably fairly easy to spot, uh, but they might be more subtle. They might claim that uh, my technology will save us all, or we can, uh, with my idea, we can stop all wars. They might have good ideas, but I can promise that they won't solve everything. So we're not to put our hope in them or or follow them. Instead, we're to follow Jesus, who will solve everything. In the current age, don't be deceived and don't be alarmed. In verse 15, uh, the tone changes somewhat. Uh, It becomes much more specific. Which brings us to the second point on the timeline, 70 AD. So when you see, standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of his house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women. And nursing mothers, pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. Remember, the disciples had asked when the temple was going to be destroyed. And this is what Jesus tells them. He goes back to a prophecy in Daniel 11, that a king would come, set himself above every god, and profane the temple. And here we need to have the multiple horizons in mind again. If you read Daniel, it seems pretty clear that uh, he was talking about uh, a guy called Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, a king who persecuted the Jews and destroyed Jerusalem in about 167 BC. And in particular, he sacrificed to other gods in the Jewish temple. But clearly, he doesn't fit our timeline. He's off that end. Uh, Jesus is talking of another fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy, another horizon. He's saying it's going to happen again. And that is what happened. We have some very detailed accounts from Josephus of what happened in 70 AD. After rebellion in Judea, the Romans came, besieged Jerusalem, and ultimately flattened it. They brought out standards of the divine Caesar, brought them into the temple. And they carried out its treasures. But what's interesting is that apparently lots of the Christians escaped. They fled the city before the Romans had it completely surrounded. Clearly, they had read Matthew or knew what Jesus had said. And they knew it well. And they trusted it, trusted it enough to leave their homes behind and escape. Which helps us to see uh, that we should do the same. The call to flee clearly isn't relevant to us. That's happened already. But it does show us that everything else in this chapter is just as certain as what happened in 70 AD. It's just as dreadful, too. The destruction of Jerusalem uh, was one of the most complete in history, Uh, Jesus wasn't kidding about that. He's not kidding about the rest of it. So trust Jesus' word as much as those early Christians did. As the Christian worldview continues to get pushed out of society uh, in this country, other worldviews will come in. It might make us uh, doubt. Colleagues uh, might mock us or think we're mad for believing in this vision of the future. Other people will will claim to know for themselves uh, the direction the world is heading in. But verse 25, Jesus says, See, I have told you ahead of time. He is the one who really knows what's going on. So trust him. Finally, we come to the end of the age. This is what the earlier signs, uh, everything else was pointing to. Jesus, uh, coming back, verse 26, so if anyone tells you there he is out in the desert, do not go out, or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it, for as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so it will be with the coming of man. Wherever there is a carcass there, the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light. Stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Remember, the disciples asked what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Well, it won't be a secret sign, Jesus says. It won't be a sign known only to a few, uh, one that you have to join a a secret society to find out or to have some special connection to God. Don't believe anyone who tries to tell you otherwise. Uh, I heard uh, on the radio uh, this week about some hospitality workers, um, Chefs, storemen, and the like, uh, who had to work during the England-Germany game uh, last week. They were desperately trying to avoid uh, spoilers. They didn't want to know the score so that they could uh, go home and watch it later. But as you can imagine, that was impossible. (laughs) Uh, I think you'd have have to have been in the middle of Dartmoor on your own to have not heard uh, the cheers when the two goals went in. Jesus says that uh, the sign will be unavoidable. Everything that accompanies Jesus' return will be completely obvious to everyone. We'll see uh, next week with Andrew that uh, the main application comes uh, in some parables that come next. Uh, not just steal a thunder but uh, it's, it's be ready. Uh, but for now, we can look forward uh, to the day when Jesus' angels will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Life is hard. That's not going to change before we reach the end. That is what life in the current age is like. But the leaves on the fig tree are coming out. Jesus will return. And if you're a Christian, that is the best news that we could have. If you're not a Christian, I think this passage prompts uh, some thinking. What does your worldview say about the current age and about the future? Does that line up with reality? If Jesus was right about 70 AD, could he be right about the rest? And what will be your reaction to the sign of the Son of Man appearing in the sky The nations mourn because it will be clear then that the power they thought they had was only an illusion, that God will now hold them to account. But those who trust in Jesus will welcome his return. Jesus promises that they will be saved. What does the future hold? Well, I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow or next week but we know what life is like in the current age. We know that the temple was destroyed just as Jesus said it would be. And we know that Jesus is certain to return with no risk of us missing out. So in the meantime, look forward to that. Don't be deceived or alarmed and keep standing firm. Amen.